0: Resurrection Assembly of God Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, November 6, twenty two, John fifteen, twelve through seventeen, comfort food. Well, church, I've been craving some spiritual comfort food as of late. You know, uh sometimes life can get you down, you're stressed, you're tired, you're overworked, some of you know what I'm talking about right, you're not just busy at work you're busy at home and to add to the business of life you end up seeing the news every day of bad things happening in the world and of course The news is always very careful to help us uh, imagine what other bad things could happen as well. Both what is likely to happen and what the worst possible scenario is. On any given matter, what's the worst that could happen? Well, we don't need to use our imaginations because the news, for that matter of social media and Twitter in particular, are always there to tell us precisely what the worst possible outcome is. Of course, they never flag it as the worst possible outcome, they just say it might happen, and we're left to our own devices to figure out how likely the worst likelihood actually is. And sometimes, actually, a lot of the times, we just need a little comfort. And we need true comfort, not lies. And I know that that would seem obvious, but some of us, we lie to ourselves sometimes to make us feel better, make ourselves feel better. And lies can be comforting for a time, but lies will always disappoint us because the comfort of lies is fleeting at best. We need true comfort. We need the comfort that is, in fact, true. Sometimes you just need some of that spiritual mac and cheese. Some spiritual comfort food. And as of late, I've really wanted some spiritual mac and cheese and a nap. Praise the Lord. So if you need some comfort today, eat this. Eat what I'm about to tell you. Man, after all, does not survive on bread alone. We can also have a little mac and cheese from the Holy Spirit, right? And if you need gluten-free, the Spirit already knows. So here's one serving of spiritual comfort food for you this morning. Hear me out. Jesus is your friend. We are Jesus' friends. And that should bring more than a little comfort to us. It should bring a lot of comfort to us. And uh, this morning I'm going to read a passage where Jesus actually says this. And we're going to talk about it a little bit based on the passage. So our passage this morning is from John 15, verses 12 through 17. I want you to note that we we talked about Moses already this morning. We read from Exodus 33 where the Bible says that God talked to Moses as a man talks with his friend. And we also read from Ephesians where it talks about the height and depth and breadth and length of the love of God. And this passage follows on those two themes. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17 on page 848 in your Pew Bibles. He says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. That's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be completely honest with you this morning, church, that this whole Jesus is my friend thing has been something that I, your pastor, have really struggled to accept. I mean, I really, really believe the scriptures. The Bible is God-breathed, no doubt, 100%. But every time I read this, that Jesus calls his followers his friends, I think, yeah, but, like, not really, right? Surely Jesus means something other than what he says. I've thought that it's not really substantive. Perhaps it's figurative speech. Perhaps some of you know what I mean this morning. And I think that I I need to admit to you and to myself and to God that that's not right. I mean, I get to thinking about it and I say, Jesus is God. He is man, he, but he is also God. And God is God and, and I am not. And how can a human claim to have friendship with God? Friendship, it would seem, entails a certain level of equality. Perhaps not, you know, radical equality, but equality nonetheless. And who am I to think that I could be equal like that with God? I've also tended to think that this friendship that Jesus says he has with his disciples has to be qualitatively different from every other relationship that we might otherwise know or experience. Why do I think that? Because, again, God is God and I'm a human being. So surely friendship with God is not at all like friendships that we have with one another. But, as I've already said, I think I have failed to take Jesus' words seriously. I have failed to take Jesus' words here with the same seriousness that, well, perhaps I would take other passages of the Bible. Jesus is our friend, and while there's probably something to say about how Jesus is a friend's Literally like no other. He is nevertheless talking to a group of disciples who are in fact human, and Jesus is using a category of human relationships that is familiar and common. And he's not suggesting that friendship with him is totally different than the friendship that we might have with anyone else. I I have feared to take Jesus seriously here, which is, again, A contradiction, but I'm being honest with you here, okay? I have feared because I don't want to be idolatrous. I don't want to make an idol out of the one true God and say, well, you know, God's my friend. And when I say that, so forget and neglect that he's also my Lord. And I've come to realize that maybe I've made the very mistake I was trying to avoid, just in the opposite direction. Perhaps... I have veered towards idolatry precisely because I have neglected Jesus' very simple declaration that he says he is my friend. And who am I to disagree with Jesus? To live and act as if that isn't serious ends up being idolatrous too. Jesus says that he is my friend. Jesus says that he is your friend. May God help us to hear it and believe it. So let me highlight some things in this passage so we can see what it means for Jesus to be your friend, our friend, my friend. First of all, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, I'll call you friends. So at the very least, we have to say that to be a friend is not to be a servant. Makes sense, right? Right? A servant is below his master, a servant is below his employer, a servant obeys, does the grunt work, is at the bottom of the hierarchy. And Jesus is saying, you're not at the bottom of the hierarchy. You're right here, at my side, my friend. Not my inferior, not my superior. Now, of course... Jesus does say that we are his friends if we do what he commands us. And doesn't that sound like a servant-master relationship? Doesn't that sound like an employer-employee relationship? It kind of does. But I want you to see what command Jesus is saying that we have to keep in order to be his friends. The command they have to keep to be his friends is that they love one another. He says that in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So really, all Jesus is saying is that we are his friends if we're friends with each other. Which is, you know, hardly the command of a master-servant relationship. So all he's really saying is that he is, in fact, friends with Janelle. And Jesus is saying, I am friends with Janelle. And he's saying that if Pastor Abby doesn't want to be friends with Janelle, then Pastor Abby's going to have a hard time being friends with Jesus. Because Jesus is not going to stop being friends with Janelle. Or we could put it more positively, Jesus is saying that he is Pastor Abby's friend and he is Janelle's friend. And that they are and need to be friends in light of his friendship with each of them. You feel me? Maybe some of you know just how complicated and near impossible it is um, when you're friends with people who refuse to be friends with each other. It's very difficult, and that's exhausting. So that brings me to my second point. Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. He says that in verse 16, you did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Jesus is saying that he is friends with Janelle, and he's friends with Pastor Abby, and he's friends with Charles, and he's friends with the rest of us, and he's saying that they didn't choose to be his friends. You didn't choose to be Jesus' friend. He chose you. He chose to be each and every one of their friends. Now, this can once again start to sound like a little bit of a power dynamic that we don't typically associate with friendship. Don't friends, you know, normally mutually decide to be friends? Perhaps. Watch kids on a playground for a little bit and notice how they just choose their friends in a very friendly and inviting way. It happens. Uh, But I... I want you to take comfort in the fact that Jesus chooses to be our friends because the fact that Jesus chose to be our friends and not the other way around means that this is not a shallow friendship. It's not fair-weathered friendship. It's not a friendship that fades with time. It is not a friendship that can wither with distance. It's not like vapor that disappears into the wind. Friendship with Jesus is not like the grass that is green today, brown tomorrow and thrown into the fire on the third day. Friendship with Jesus is as secure as Jesus himself. We cannot go somewhere where Jesus won't be our friend. We cannot get so sick that Jesus leaves the bedside. We cannot be a bad friend to Jesus and he, we excuse me, we can be a bad friend to Jesus and he won't stop being our friend. Neither height nor depth, nor principalities, nor tribulations, nor death itself can separate us from the friendship of Jesus Christ our Lord. Eat that mac and cheese, church. So, all that to say, while there are some parallels with human friendship, Jesus's friendship is the ultimate friendship. Friendship with Him is the definition of friendship that we should all be looking to imitate in our friendships with one another. That brings me to my third point. Jesus shows us what true friendship is and that he dies for us. Verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is a friend who will die for you. Jesus is the friend who, in fact, died for you. If you were doubting that Jesus was serious about no longer calling us servants, then hear him out on this. Let me ask you, what master dies for his servant? What master dies for a slave? What employer dies for his employee? The general doesn't go out to the front line to die for the infantry. The infantry go out to die for the general. If your general or your employer, or your master were to lay down his life for you, you would say, hmm, turns out he wasn't my master. He was my friend. So let's remember that. Jesus is our friend, my fellow Christians, because he died for us. Finally, this morning, Jesus shares himself with us. Uh, This is from... uh, From verse 15, he says, For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus shares himself with us. He says, uh, he talks about this by by talking about God the Father. And as I just read, he says, All that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus' friendship with us entails conversation. And conversations are not one way. Otherwise, it's a speech, like what I'm doing right now. But even here, I'm hoping for a few amens along the way. Conversations are two-way. We can talk, talk to Jesus, and he will talk back. And not only will he talk back, but sometimes Jesus initiates conversation with us. Or we could put it even more precisely. Jesus is God initiating conversation with us. Jesus is that initiation. He initiates with us, and he tells us things that you would only tell to a friend. I mean, You don't walk up to a stranger at the bus stop and say, let me tell you the excruciating details of my family history, about my mom's fibromyalgia and my sister's depression. You might make mention of something like that to a stranger, but not all of it. And the moment that you share something like that with a stranger... It's always the beginning of friendliness. But Jesus shares all that he is with us. He shares his divine life with us. He shares information and beauty and delight and all things that he has and is. So, church, let him share with you and take comfort in the conversation. Jesus is your friend, we are no longer his servants. He chose to be our friend. He laid down his life for us, and he shares all of himself with us. I invite you once again to take comfort in Jesus' friendship today. I want to close by giving you one concrete recommendation on how to put your friendship with Jesus into practice. It's something that I have been doing recently in my own spiritual walk, and I want to be honest with you that it is something that I feel like I'm not super good at yet. So I'm, I'm going to continue to put this in practice as you do. And we will learn to be friends with Jesus together. So here's, here's the concrete recommendation. Uh, talk to Jesus like he is your friend. And, you know, that's basically to say pray to him. But I want you to pray in such a way that you make yourself think that you're, in fact, just talking to a good friend. Let me get more specific. Think, reflect on how you talk to your closest friends, and then try to talk to Jesus like that. You, of course, when you talk to your close friends, share your needs, you share your wants, you share your desires with your friends, what you want out of life. And I would imagine that we have all had at least a little bit of practice of making our requests known to to God in prayer. We do that here every week, right? But I want you to think more uh, about, about more supposedly trivial conversations. You know, when I'm talking to my friends, we talk about what we enjoy. We talk about things that are not of utmost importance. You know, me, E.K., and Charles... We make jokes to, to, and talk about the Premier League on Sunday morning before church starts. We lay it all aside so we can have communion together, though. I I save jokes that I hear uh, in the back of my mind to uh, share with Kyle Anderson because Kyle Anderson loves a good joke. Unfortunately, he's always unimpressed with my jokes, but I keep trying. But I think... I think of Kyle as a friend, which is why I share jokes for him. I, I save jokes for him, and I share jokes with him, excuse me. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I will text Pastor Abby when Holly and I have had a really great sandwich at a restaurant out of town somewhere. And I tell her, man, this sandwich is really great today. When I share tacos at La Regia with David Robertson, I say, mm, these tacos are good. Maybe we could do that with Jesus. Say all those trivial things that you just say to your friends. He is your friend after all. He said it right here. Say, mmm, this mac and cheese is good. Tell Jesus about what you enjoy. Say to him, how about that Hawkeye win yesterday? It was nice to get another one in this season say to him, those fall leaves are gorgeous. If you've ever been in a car with uh, Abby, Pastor Abby, you will note that you will know that she will randomly slam on the brakes to admire the fall leaves and force you to do it with her. And, uh, you know, Pastor Abby, no doubts, can uh, invite Jesus to do that with her too. Maybe you should tell Jesus how you slept the night, b- the night before. This is always something that, uh, you know, where I grew up in, in Africa, people would always ask each other how they slept the night before. I don't, it's not as common here in the States. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, you know, do you have You always ask that, right? Maybe we could tell. Jesus is asking us, did you sleep well last night? We can be like, eh. The baby was crying. Tell him about that weird ache in your left shoulder. Tell him you're worried about your sugar levels. Tell him you're anxious about performing well at school or your job or in sports. So try this. Think of the most trivial thing to tell Jesus about. And then just tell him like he's sitting right next to you. And you may feel a little foolish because Jesus no doubt already knows. But don't we always tell our friends things that they already know? I tell my wife how much I love fried chicken. She knows I love fried chicken. But she's a good friend of mine, and I just tell her things that I enjoy. So maybe we, maybe I should tell Jesus how much I enjoy fried chicken. And how upset I am that John's Grocery stopped selling it. <laughs> and how grateful I am for Quick, quick Star. <laughs> Amen? So let's talk to Jesus. Uh, Comfort food, that's what this sermon was about. This right here, this meal we're about to eat, communion, is comfort food. Let Jesus give himself to you in this meal this morning as we approach. The altars are open, as always. We have people here to pray with you if you need uh, us to pray the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, down upon you. Amen and hallelujah. I'm going to invite...